Hello, Internet people. The fact that you're here today means you passed our selective test, which was designed to keep you out. It's been a while since we last discussed the 11 plus. So today we thought it'd be a good idea to look at the current landscape. Mr. John. (laughs) (laughs) Good question. (laughs) It's a great question. there. (laughs) Let's start with what was the original purpose of the 11 plus exam? The 11 plus was always designed to select the brightest and best students. Essentially, I I do think there's been that hasn't really changed. That's that's not in a state of flux. It's just the the different ways that they're selecting people. And I think the extent to which they they select. So when it first started post-war, I think there was a initial idea that our economy is split into kids who will go into academia and become I don't know engineers and things like that like where you require university education and the let's say the more vocational labor so initially in in the time where very few people went to university I think that was the initial initial concept is that there was meant to be a sort of split in the workforce where People would go down the vocational route. Some would go down the academic route. But that's changed somewhat in the sort of intervening years. More and more people go into university and that kind of thing. So it's exactly the same, but it's more competitive than ever. Do you think it's still as useful as it used to be? No. Um, Not in that sense. Mm. They used to have grammar streams within secondary moderns. So So they were like a school passes the like primary school students on tour like, i'll give you an example so my dad he didn't pass my uncle passed 11 plus he went to a grammar school my dad didn't pass but he had missed quite a lot of school um but he went into a secondary modern and then he went into a class and that was a grammar school stream he had, he went to in a class called g so the idea with that was that you receive a grammar school education despite not having passed I guess you can think of it as a bit like, say, set one in a regular state school. Mm. Even if students don't pass 11 plus, there's still the opportunity to have a, a pretty good ed- education. But now I think it's more, it's more competitive every year, I think. Mm. There's more and more people going for it. Um, so I guess that's, that's changed somewhat because I think all those years ago, not many people would even think that they would necessarily have to... Well, we had a low population as well, and that also mm. sort of factors into it. So we've got a higher population now, so more competition. And I think also, I think with higher immigrant population, we've got a bit more drive towards the 11 plus. So there's a lot more people taking it. So it has has changed, but the original idea hasn't changed much. It's still to select the brightest and best. I, th- I think one of the... So so the, the thing that you said about um, sets, that's, that's sort of one of the reasoning behind... Um, grammar schools in the first place isn't it you it's easier to teach a cohort that are of the same sort of academic ab- um, ability but then the same it can sort of be achieved in comprehensive and and second modern schools where you know you, you have a you have this set system you, you know you've got a top set sort of your middle set or sets and then and, and then your bottom set I suppose I, know, it, I think I'm sort of in, in the middle as to whether whether it's worth it <laughs> yeah I mean, I think there is a, a little bit of a difference in that if the whole school is selected, then obviously, like, the students at the very top in the top set will be a lot stronger on average. 
And same with the middle sets as well. They'll be stronger. So even if you're in set three or set two in a grammar school, that's potentially you're working at a higher level than a set one in a state school. But there's plenty of very intelligent state school students. So We've also got less people going to university now as well. Because originally it was to, to, to guide people through that grammar school and into universities. You now have less people going to universities as well. Com- compared to what? So Compared to when it first started. So it started in, well, like we said, after the war, 1944. Basically, it was a way of getting people from secondary school, like grammar school, technical school, or, or modern. The grammar school would basically prepare people to go to universities. But I'm saying like nowadays, there's less people going into universities. Really? No, I would have thought more people would go to universities now like than back then. Because... M- only about 2% of people went to uni. And, like, more when my dad I guess, went. Yeah, compared to then, but I mean, like, there's a decline currently. Oh, do you mean over the past few years? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So do, but, you think that's, do, you think, do you think that's making the 11 plus less important, like, in recent history? Well, the, I think the value of being a graduate has decreased with the increased cost in university fees, so the return on investment becomes less. Because there is something called the graduate premium. So, like, graduates tend to earn more than people who don't graduate from a university. But I'd say, like, over the past few years, because student fees have risen, there's less of an incentive for people to go down that route. But you've also got more and more people doing apprenticeships and that sort of stuff. And, like, scarcity creates value. Yeah. So, there's so many people with degrees nowadays that yeah. are obviously less valuable obviously there's a shortage of people in certain trades um where there wasn't as much in the past partially mm. because of the population increase so yeah there's a whole variety but, of but there's, there's so many factors behind it yeah. um so should we go into what's going on currently because i think that's what <laughs> most people will have clicked here yeah. for um yeah. the lot of changes exam yeah. boards exam boards um, different formats for each one and I think quite a lot of parents at least from like our experience are a little bit lost as to what they should be doing and what they should be going for and what they need to know for each exam board well I'd say there's sort of one overall change and that's this that's the increase of the, the schools generally that are adopting an online approach to the exams so they're they're utilising a test bank of some kind to select their students. Yeah. Especially so, especially in the independent school sector. So originally we had GL, which was four different papers. Yeah. Maths, English, verbal, non-verbal. Mm-hmm. It was one time for the entire paper. Um, and there were four of them, right? Well, they usually, they used to do it split across two test days. So there was like, yeah, there's a there's a yeah. stand there's a there's a standard format, yeah. and then the borough can also request certain changes for the yeah for the exam. yeah. So there can be there can be changes in between different boroughs yeah. and stuff. Yeah, yeah. but originally, um, at least like ten years ago or something, that was a, that was a structure, right? And then yeah. CEM came yeah. along in don't remember the year twenty around twenty thirteen yeah. that sort of time, yeah. and they introduced a style of paper that was two papers with all four subjects within that paper, and each section was timed individually. You know, like 10 minutes on 
data handling, five-minute comprehension. But then I remembered when I did the 11 class start, it was timed individually, section by section. In was it? When, yeah, when I took the I don't think it was. Yeah, I think it was. I honestly don't remember. I, 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 I don't think it I, was. I, I think I it was think, one. Um, I remember it was, but... I know, I know that CM was introduced to make it... Um, to make the 11 plus a little more challenging. Yeah, more tutor-proof is what they call yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, because they found... <laughs> Nothing's tutor-proof. Yeah, more, more, more tutor-proof. Yeah. But but then they actually found that the reverse happened. So... Well, because... The thing is, because um, they introduced so many different and new things, like, for example, there weren't 3D nets and 3D non-verbal questions before, so people felt like they had to get tutoring for it because it was a new thing. Yeah. And obviously that tipped the scales the other way. I think was it councils and the basically um, educationalists are obsessed with the idea of social mobility. So they always go, okay, well, we want to encourage, like, say, more poorer students, well, poorer students to be able to enter these grammar schools and for it not to just be all the sort of richer kids being able to get in because they've got access to tutors. So that's the thinking behind making it more tutor proof. So you've got people. So you got the selection of people just with higher IQs who are able to get in. But in practice, it ended up going the other way because they studied it. Um, so they, they analysed how students were doing in the switch to CEM and they found that actually it was, it was not encouraging social mobility at all. It was actually worse than before. Hmm. Like you said, and that's probably because if you got access to people who can teach how to tackle those components, which someone from a lowest socioeconomic background is unlikely to have, mm -hmm. then they're going to have issues with it. So probably the fairest way of doing it is just to do maths and English because everyone learns maths and English. Yeah, yeah. but it doesn't test everything, does it? Like, Yeah, I know, but it. I'm just saying they're trying to push this social mobility goal but if you have com specific components that they don't tackle in school, then yeah. well, you're not going to encourage social mobility. So for a long time, that's been the two examples. Well, mm. actually, no, we had CSSE as well. Yeah. Which is more yeah. using the Essex side yeah. of things. They have creative writing, whereas the others don't. Mm. They're not multiple choice for the most part. Whereas the other ones mostly are. They have like a little... It's like some of the paper is a little bit multiple choice and some of it's a lot of like, it's like mixed, yeah. mixed format. Yeah, and, and, and then the online um, examples like ISEB. So they're the, the they, newer version, yeah. Yeah, they, they, they are multiple choice as well. And the and the SET. But they, they didn't used to be, that's the thing. <laughs> the reason why is just because of profit. So yeah, it's easier. Just, you don't have to employ people to look through written answers and all yeah. that sort of stuff. So it's easier. It's a it's a profit motivated change, mm. like everything that we see. In terms of what's happening now, mm. what are the new examples? So recently we've got Atom, which has started to enter, um, especially some independent schools. We've got Forest and Chigwell, other places using Atom. So they're local to here. Yeah, yeah, and they've got things like creative comprehension, which is. It's it's just not not straightforward comprehension. There's some like problem solving within it and that kind of thing. So that's something that what, I saw. Sorry, what do you mean? What do you mean by that? So it's not just read this text under and um, 
answer these questions it's like so like inferring you've like those questions with like dates that you can figure out this person was it will it will use all kinds of of things within it so like it could have charts and stuff like that so they've got to work out or infer some information from it's a bit bit more involved a bit right. more complicated i guess that's quite good because it encourages this flexible thinking um it's harder to prepare for because you've just got to sort of cope with it um and that's kind of why if i ever teach children how to how to pass independent school exams or something like that i always think the most important thing overall is just being an adaptable problem solver so just teaching that mm. ability to cope with curveballs not teaching specifically for a test or anything like that it's more can they develop a wide range of skills that they can sort of utilize in in this situation um also obviously cem they moved online so now we've got more boroughs taking up gl and gl have they were traditionally split across two test days and um, but we've had more boroughs obviously seemingly wanting to request to have one specific test day and utilizing some of those cem mm. elements um so the the timed in the individual sections which don't allow you to go back and forth in the paper which I guess adds a little bit of difficulty, but it can also, it probably helps some kids with their time management a bit. Because if they insist that there's a certain section that they, like I've had this experience sometimes when you give a kid a 80 questions or something like that. They, they, they don't, do like 25. Yeah, they, they don't know how to manage <laughs> their time. So they, they just go, okay, I'm going to spend like 30 minutes on this like little section here. And it's like, that's not the best way of doing it. So I suppose. Yeah. Especially I, if each one's one mark. Yeah, like. <laughs> I suppose it's, it's kind of good in in that sense. Although it does add, for for a lot of kids, it adds an, an extra layer of difficulty. So just something else to think about, isn't yeah. it? So you said ISEB, ATOM. Yeah. The different boards. Yeah, yeah. ISEB, ATOM, GL, CEM. CSSE. Uh, and CSSE. the uh, selective eligibility test. The what? The SET used in um, Sutton. Yeah. And and also there's the future stories. Do we know the formats of these ones? Uh, yeah, so I think it's a um, not I think uh, it, yeah, but there's a maths and English paper, which I believe is around forty five to fifty minutes um, each, and then it, it's used for a group of schools around the Sutton area, uh, Wellington. Yeah, consortium. Tiffin, yeah, yeah, Wellington Tiffin, and there's a stage one, and for some of the schools ask for a stage. For a second stage of testing. But yeah, it's used for a consortium of schools. Okay. And Future and then, Stories is like a bit of a strange one. Again, it's like a consortia of schools. And I can't remember which schools. I know Chelmsford is, isn't in that. It's like Chelmsford Grammar School for girls. Um, that is part of it. So I need to learn that because one of <laughs> one of my students is actually doing that exam. But I, I believe there's creative writing um in it so it seems to be a weird um combination of cem and uh cssc in a sense because it's got that creative writing side but i think the creative writing is actually quite difficult they've got to write something quite long but i, th I don't know we're gonna we're just gonna see loads of loads of um random exam boards sort of and i think more and more schools will start to produce their own yeah sort i was of, gonna say that yeah. yeah, as it becomes a bit easier to 
develop their own exams internally. Um, I think we'll see more and more schools develop their own bespoke systems or they'll, you know, join forces and create one. Yeah, so everything's a bit up in the air at the moment. It's like, I think, yeah, I think we'll see changes over the next, say, it does take time, obviously, and they've got contracts in place. So obviously, mm. like, any of these test banks, they'll have, like, a five-year contract <clears throat> or something like that in place. But after that, you'll see more and more shifting. So every, like, five years or so. Makes it more difficult for us. <laughs> it does, but... On Especially when we try and make mock papers and things to... Yeah, reflect. no, that that can that can be that can be tricky because it can be difficult to reflect the exact nature of the paper. Yeah, and by by the time we've finalised, yeah, a few sets of papers, it's time to change everything mm. again, isn't it? That's why I think it's quite important to actually teach them as much as possible. Right? Just expose, ex- <laughs> yeah, expose yeah. them to a lot of different. Yeah, and so many yeah. kids take more than one exam as well. So I've I have kids that take like say three four sets of exams and it's like completely different so i'm just uh, i just go what do you aim for you just cover as wide a base as possible well, so I mean, they're not in the last few years we've had redbridge and essex schools they used to be on different days didn't they yeah, last few years on, they've, been, been on, they've been on the same i feel like it's purposely done just to make them make a make, make a, a decision yeah yeah i'm get i'm i get quite a lot of kids that are both that are doing the independent schools too and then there's a whole difference there because you've got say Bancroft's doing CEM but then you've got like Chigwell doing Atom but you've got another three or four months to work on that after yeah although some of them haven't like some of the kids they they hadn't done reasoning so (laughs) I had to I had to like teach them a ridiculous amount of reasoning in three months which is not ideal the last time we spoke about the 11 plus was probably about a year and a half ago. I mean, in a podcast, obviously, we've spoken about it. <laughs> <laughs> every week. <laughs> every, every day. Um, but that whole last podcast was episode 12. A whole conversation on whether we thought the 11 plus was right or wrong for specific people. Mm-hmm. I don't know if our views have changed on that since since the last conversation. Yeah, what are your thoughts? Um, Who's it right for? Who's it wrong for? It's... It- I don't know. I've, I've, I think it's sometimes difficult to say. Like I, I see, I see some children, and, and I, I think right, okay, that they, they are well suited to a grammar school, um, to the point where I think they may find life in certain um, comprehensive schools difficult. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But at at the same time, I, th- I think you can get a good education in most in most schools. Um, because it's also highly dependent on the individual and the the teachers within the school. Um, things like things like teacher retention rates make a difference. Um, if you've you know if you've got one consistent good teacher throughout the throughout your academic life, I feel like that that makes that plays quite a key role. Yeah, I, I feel like it's 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 kind of difficult to say like who it's who yeah, it's, it's not right like a- and wrong wrong for there's a lot of a uh, lot of gray area it's not like yes or no i feel so yeah the people who fly through the 11 plus and it's relatively straightforward for so they get very high qualifying scores and just have you know they're, they're more capable with you know academia then grammar school is the right route for them generally because in a state school even if they 
obviously they were, they're in the top set and that kind of thing there are some really really good state schools though that that can cater for them but some state schools can't cater for that sort of level of ability then i think a grammar school is a good solution but i'd say some people who just about get in it might actually be a suboptimal situation for them because to be at the bottom in a school is never a nice thing yeah it knocks your confidence this, this is what we said last time i think yeah it's like if you if you ju- the people that just get in they do worse than the people that just missed out because the people that just missed out are usually at the top of their class in a non-selective school yeah. mm-hmm. and that carries with them from like year seven to mm. gcse they actually do better in the GCSEs than the kids that just got in yeah. to a selective school and are kind of at the bottom. Yeah, it, play, it does play a big part. And I don't think a lot of people, a lot of parents realise. Yeah. And then all, all the sort of abilities already within the child. So mm. I can see that. But but on the on the converse, you, you get the... So those who just miss out, they also, car- they also carry that, um, oh, I've, I've failed this... Yeah, this is which is what I failed this big exam, which for them at that age is very often an exam which is built up to be sort of a be all and an end all. Brutal exam um, because yeah, it's the, only, um, it's the only test in your entire life that you never get to take again. Yeah, or every try for yes, yeah, you can fail your driving test a number yeah. of times, <laughs> even blood tests you can go in twice, three times, <laughs> and you never know why. You can never fix. Yeah, you can't. You don't fix know why. It. You can never retake it. It's kind of brutal for a 10, 11 year old to go through that. The biggest barrier to a child, aside from just academic ability and that kind of thing, is is all the maturity to be able to handle it. So mm. to be able to study hard enough to, to get in, but also to be able to handle a test situation, those sort of things make a big difference. What makes it challenging for children um, at at the age of 10? 11. So I think one of the one of the challenges is if you're in an area where there aren't that many grammar schools or, or independent schools, like Redbridge, for example, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, where we only have two grammar schools, one one for boys, one one for girls. Um, the you know competition is quite tough. It it is very immense. Mm. So I think that's that's one of the challenges. But at the same time, just to maybe contradict myself, I don't think introducing more grammar schools is the solution. I think going back to what I said earlier, maybe looking at bringing quality teachers in. That stay. That stay is yeah, better solution. I, I think that the having the grammar school stream within a ordinary school makes... How would, how would that work? So, like 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 it happened with my dad. So even though he didn't get into grammar school, he was able to have sort of a grammar education um, because it was in the higher sets. There's there's loads of things in in grammar schools that you don't you sort of so for instance Latin, you can study Latin and yeah they're more they have a a slight bias towards the more sort of academic subjects right math science yeah languages such as latin you you'd like in business studies you wouldn't be able to but you could study economics yeah the, i think the more vocational subjects are catered for slightly better at the um comprehensive schools what about the age maturity because obviously yeah. children born earlier in the year will have an advantage 
Yeah. Right? Yeah, it's, the, it's probably the, it's one of the biggest factors, definitely, sort of how how mature the child is. There is a massive, massive difference between mm-hmm. children born at the beginning compared to born at the end. People mature at different rates, firstly, but also at that age, things change very quickly. I also think there's a big difference between boys and girls. There is, um, yeah. There's... Mm. there's quite a lot of evidence that suggests that boys are at least a year behind girls in terms Um, of maturity more than that yeah it's probably probably more than that because you reach your mental maturity as a man when you're like in your 20s Uh, yeah (laughs) it's true yeah it's it's true I I watched watched something the other day it's true no no I'm laughing at myself because I don't (laughs) I'm laughing at myself because I don't think it's true for me but (laughs) I still act act like a kid I think it's 26 or something like that that's the yeah, so um, this this um, I can't remember what the podcast was, but I think it's about two or three years. So when uh, a girl at sixteen will have the uh, mental age of a guy at nineteen or something like that. No, I mean, and they it's... and they have the so they actually have an advantage in terms of yeah. um, education. I, know, I notice it massively when I'm teaching them for eleven plus, like the massive difference between the boys and the girls. The girls actually. Mm. No, no I've, I've noticed it yeah. too. The boys are just like, oh, I just want to like play around or something like that. And then the girls are more, you know, a lot more focused. Yeah. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. It's just bad in this specific situation. Yeah. Because people, like, you do learn by messing about with things and like yeah. kind of taking things apart, putting stuff together. Like, you learn from your environment. There's a, there's, a different type there's of some people who believe that boys should start school later. Than girls, I think they probably should. Yeah, like they 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 need to spend a bit more time just like playing around, and then because they need the maturity to actually cope with academic study. I think it's the most important factor, actually, maturity. Mm. Obviously, you've got academic competence and stuff like that, but in terms of actually getting the improvement over time, if you're working with a child, then maturity comes probably top of the top of the list. Because they need to be mature enough to take on these concepts and concentrate and that kind of thing. Plan and revise and all of that, yeah. yeah. Um, and also just, I think parental invo- involvement's very important. But even some, some parents really want to, like you can tell they're, they're very keen, but their child is just not, not ready. Not ready for that um, responsibility of taking it on. Or doesn't really want to do it in the first place. And then it can be quite difficult to work with the child. Over the past few years, it's been more difficult to get the qualifying score to get into the to get into the school. And I think part of the reason is because of this pupil premium thing. So if, if you if a student's in receipt of a pupil premium, that will put them in front of children that aren't, even if they've got the same score. Yeah, and I'm not saying that that's wrong. As in, I think it's actually probably a good thing, but I'm just saying it makes it slightly more difficult to. Yes, it will. It will put them in front. Yeah. Um. I th- I think generally is actually probably a good thing, but it does mean that it's harder <laughs> to get to get a child in. Generally, if you think about the average mm. person coming to a tuition session, they're going to be usually in a slightly higher economic so what if you have someone that does come to a tuition session but isn't uh like that well off so they're still doing pupil premium yeah and they do tuition 
Oh, there's that no might, way of like it might give them a slight advantage, but yeah, but then, there's no way of controlling those. Though. No, there isn't. But I, I suppose they can't. They can't control that. So it's not. But but I suppose it's good that that a child from a a higher no a lower socioeconomic background can get in or has a greater chance of getting in. Mm. I think that's probably a good good thing overall because it allows for that social mobility. Didn't you say that was um happening at university as well at the moment with universities offering reduced with universities providing reduced offers um these contextual offers based on sort of where you live or whether you were offered free school meals things like that but i've noticed that also at independent school level too so there's although i'd say there's fewer generous scholarships there's more bursaries available so that sort of gives you more of a chance of being able to get get to a school despite being say like middle class i think there's general effort across the board to improve social mobility but it's i think it's quite an impossible thing really because you've got sort of postcode selection as well so Mm. obviously people buy houses near schools and then that will put up the prices of houses in places that are within the catchment area of a school or a good school. So everything's a postcode lottery. The catchment area thing is kind of crazy. Because mm. mm. we, we've, we've known people that have literally been on the other side of the road. Like sometimes the catchment splits a road in half. And we've had people that live here on this side of the road. And the catchment is on that side. And they just don't get a place. Yeah, like They're really strict about it. Well, I've known people who've got really high scores, but they don't get in because they're just not in the catchment. Obviously, somewhere like Ilford County, ridiculously oversubscribed, a lot of applicants. I think for the past, like, like seven years or something like that, no one's got in from outside from the outside, catchment yeah. because they've got limited places and it, the ones within the catchment take priority. So there's a lot of things like that. It's about a one in... I don't know if it's changed now, but it's about 1 in 13 or 13.5. Yeah, very, very low. I think it was like 1 in 12 a few years ago. It's, it's now so slowly going to Yeah, it's, now, it's now 1 in 13 to 14. Yeah. For someone that's going into the 11 plus preparation process now, how would you advise them? Are they in year 5? Or are they in I year 4? Start with year 4. I mean, our, we, our course starts in year 4. I know a lot of people jump in at year 5, but obviously 2 years is better than 1, so... Start with four and then we can go into five. At year four, I suppose in those years, four and five, they learn a lot of new concepts. So especially things like fractions, percentages and decimals, they tend to be big challenges. Mm-hmm. As they enter year four, as Sarah said, it's important for children to know their times tables. That also tends to improve their division. <laughs> And that kind of thing, because those are like two things that they tend to struggle with. So multiplying, especially two two digit by two digit numbers, mm. and also dividing. Then I think fractions, decimals, and percentages tend to be big hurdles for them in year four. So making sure that they're relatively strong with their understanding of those concepts, especially fractions, before they reach. Year five is yeah, because you can't do like yeah. ratio proportion, 
yeah that sort of stuff but i'd say like just having an early exposure to those <coughs> concepts and it, it's true that they don't necessarily completely understand them by the end of year four but if they in yeah but they're exposed to them that gives a, a better chance for them to understand them in year five in terms of reading they need to be reading progressively and also enough so a su sufficient amount yeah because um, vocabulary is quite a big part of the 11 plus isn't it yeah i'd tell you even though obviously with the switch to gl there's less of a focus on vocabulary compared to cem but it factors into a lot of things so comprehension having a strong vocabulary is very useful mm -hmm. um and also just mm. a it improves their understanding of say a, a story and their ability to infer if they're reading relatively complex books yeah um, i mean it also helps with also worded math questions yeah so verbal reasoning obviously comprehension is really <laughs> really one of the most important important skills that you'll ever learn so so there's no harm in doing it even if they don't they don't pass yeah so we get all the foundational knowledge mm. in year four for those that are starting in year five well, all all of that and, and more, <laughs> basically. So um, the hard thing, I think, to get right is momentum. Because what I've noticed is there's some kids, they, they do, they start to lose momentum at the end of year five. But that's the time when you need to actually have momentum. So, you know, through the summer holiday, actually, that's critical time. Whereas some some students they'll, they might take a holiday or something like that or they might do something mm. or, or they might work less and that's where I find a lot of people pass and fail is, is, is in those critical that critical month before they start school because if they don't have if they don't have that momentum going into it yeah I mean it, it could go the other way as well I've seen a lot of times where children get overworked and they've got the momentum they're going up and then they get to yeah like easter or july yeah and the momentum they burn out and then they drop off then they've got to get from there back up again mm. in like a month yeah so i think the timing of the breaks is in, is important yeah. too when they're when they're taken um because it, it'll be different for different people as well yeah yeah for me just anecdotally from what i see every single year there's a few students and i start to notice i don't know they're either are lacking a bit of momentum or they need they need need more work mm. often it'll be more work <laughs> to be honest um in the vast majority of cases it's it's that they need to be working harder but you want the build-up to be towards the exam you don't want to be working working harder and then yeah drop off it's hard to say and also like there's things that characterize that momentum that aren't just about work it's like the child's incentive to everything yeah there's a lot into the child's mood as well like every there's there's food. so many critical things there's like food sleep exercise yeah. what's the, going on at home what's going on at school yeah stimulation generally yeah. that kind of thing um there's a lot of factors as they go into an exam but i'd say like like this is why i always advise against taking a holiday in that year five year i'd say in year four take your holiday take a nice long holiday something like that just yeah just just because in year five you're not gonna have you need that momentum 
going into the exam. So I'd all, I always recommend, especially if anyone joins in year four, I'm always like, take a holiday in summer. Because in year five, you shouldn't you shouldn't be taking that long holiday. Fine, fine for a week or something like that, but... I've noticed it happening more and more recently. People going away at that time in year five. Yeah. Wasn't too bad this this time. People were taking relatively short holidays, but mm. um, it it's taken that like four or five week holiday where you will completely lose momentum. The child will come back and... Blank. Point. Yeah, blank. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, so so um, what about things... Because I, I always think... I think we spoke about this the other day. Things like consistency. How important do we think that is? Yeah, no, no. So consi- consistency is important. Um, but also just remember, you want, especially a child in year four or year five, you want them to have that that joy for learning. Yeah. Um, so consistency shouldn't be to the point where they sort of become robotic. That that joy should should still be there for learning. Um, yeah. Mm. So there's a fine balance there of making sure that that consistency is also maintaining that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah maintaining yeah. that joy. I think that's that's one of the most <clears throat> complex things in in terms of what we do. Mm. Like finding finding the balance because there is the, like sometimes I think oh there's so there's so much to get through today we need to we need to crack on but then some sometimes I'm like look they're looking a bit <laughs> like they need something fun a to game do, yeah. or something like that like they need something to sort of keep their their sort of morale up so they can uh, sort of approach the learning with a bit more gusto and that can be difficult to get right so vocabulary games and things like that i try to do a lot of that like vocabulary centered work yeah we've got the whiz cards we've got we do wordle yeah there's like um countdown numbers yeah, and just and um, sort of stuff. I think also that's something that families can can do too. So mm. uh, things like junior articulate, just as a sort of good general skill, that ability to articulate themselves, they can take that into secondary school and beyond. Practicing that kind of well. thing, and also the speed of thought that's required mm. to to play some of those board games. So there's things that families can do to sort of encourage speed first of all because I, I do think it sort of boils down a lot to speed of thought but also keeping it fun yeah. so keeping some aspect of of learning or or getting fascinated about words and that kind of thing make it a fun aspect too there's one more like sort of key challenge that i want to bring up is when do you think they should start full papers i have my thoughts on this full papers yeah, full like exam, time eleven paper. plus papers. Uh, Is there a time that's too early? Is there? I, I think they should be doing um, some exam style questions throughout but their learning, the, but but an actual full length, yeah, an right. actual full length paper towards the end of year five, I, I think. Because for for if for example, if you if you're doing an exam that's in, it, it also depends when the. So say, so say the exam's in September. Yes, right. So if the exam's in September, I'd say starting some papers, you know, three three months before, leaves you in a good position, I, f- I feel. If you've done enough sort of preparation work and you've done, you know, sort of a, ha- a handful of exam questions up until that point, then doing papers th- three months out of the exam, I think, is mm. is ideal, I think. Yeah. What do you think? 
I think um, in terms of getting used to time conditions, it can be useful to start slightly earlier. So, you, but they don't necessarily need to do the exact f- exam format. Hmm. So it's important for them to depends what you you're thinking of, of. What's the test for? So I think sometimes a test can be to evaluate their levels or assess that. Hmm. In which case, like I don't think it's necessarily wrong to test throughout the period. But the, so, so, but you're talking about like but yeah like not like, like catch up sort of what you've done so far yeah I'm saying full 11 plus exam papers in terms of I, I think in terms of full like final exam, papers because you don't want to do them constantly do you like I, I think that would just jade them yeah that, that that can be a bit of an issue if they, if they start really early and they're just relentlessly doing papers then it it's not the most helpful activity so I partially agree with sort of in terms of that's how that's probably that three month period before the exam is a time when you need to be doing a lot more so like more regular papers but then you could do you could do one in march it wouldn't hurt yes yeah see, I, I was probably going to say easter april may time yeah because they don't they, they won't have learned all the topics yeah by, by yeah like you can you can sort of get a, a baseline um and and just see how they are like it, you do it's like easier papers in yeah. in May and then up to like three months before June, July, whatever. Yeah, start doing full. Yeah, yeah. And the, yeah. The and the advantage with doing that is because they haven't because you know some of the students won't have learnt everything by that stage. Mm. Doing an exam in in April, it also gets yeah. You you can sort of see how their problem solving skills are being developed. Yeah, you know whether they're able to uh, yeah make a start on. Yeah. on questions on a topic that they haven't learned before um it's also good for them to see what they're aiming towards because if they've never seen a full paper they don't know what they're working towards yes they do a full paper that you know that sort of time they can say all right i can see that i'm here i need to get to here hmm. like having a target is useful i think it's also it does depend partially on the child because i've had some kids they're so far behind that they need more learning time rather than you know spending all the time uh doing tests wouldn't be beneficial in those three months they actually need to spend time like learning the material yeah if you don't know the concept you can't answer it yeah so yeah in that in that case um but if a child is like as sarah said more or less ready for the exam by say may something like that then in those three months then the best use of the time is to exam technique is to, to work, work on that on exam that, yeah. technique so how do you think the 11 plus will change in the future or how would you like it to be in the future i, I like the paper-based system but um i think I we will s- <laughs> <laughs> i don't see that sticking around <laughs> yeah I, I think we will be moving to an, an online system um similar to the iseb where you've got some sort of adaptive ai driven um testing testing platform in place for most exam boards and and schools so it like throws up a so if you get it right it throws up a harder question yeah and if you get it incorrect it drops you down a bit yeah 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 i was gonna say the same thing we we did actually start making our own version of that didn't we a few years ago where it gives you Mm. leveled yeah yeah but yeah I, i agree i think it will be computer adaptive computer adaptive some sort of ai will be involved for mm. sure. And then back to what you said, probably if there isn't one or two exam boards that have cornered that 
AI computer market, then schools will create their own. Yeah. And then we'll have loads of different yeah. specified things for different schools. Yeah. I'd say I can kind of see that happening already. I, I think because it'll be easier and easier to implement these AI these tools, question yeah. banks and stuff like that. I, I think it will, will expand out. So it's potentially a massive profitable market. Yeah. So there's been a lot of changes in the last few years and by the sounds of it, there's going to be a lot more. Well done for making it this far. You've passed. Hopefully we've answered all your questions. If you've got any questions, let us know. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, subscribe or follow. The Education Lounge Podcast.